Today, we're going to continue our new series called Out of the Grave. Pastor Keith kicked it off. It was great last week. So this is dedicated to help us experience the power of the resurrection and how it impacts us eternally, emotionally, and relationally. Eternally, emotionally, and relationally. Literally, every aspect of our life is supernaturally transformed through the death, resurrection, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read the Gospel of Luke's account of this event in world history. We're going to be in chapter 24, starting in verse 1. And this is just, this is the account from Luke, the day that he decided to just shock the world, to shock all of history. So let's join. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away. I don't know about you guys, but I, I get pretty excited. I know the end, and I know they didn't, but I get pretty excited when I read that. So they went, they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. That behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. As they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Can I get an amen on that one? Why are you here looking for the dead? Because this is what they said next in verse 6. He is not here, but he is risen. Can I get an amen on that one? I'm telling you guys, if you can't get excited in church, what, is, what are you going to do when the world's beating you up? Come on, he is risen, he is here. Now, he, is spoke, he spoke to them and as he still was in Galilee, and then verse 7, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of, the, of sinful men, and crucified, and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. I want to pause here. This is verse 8. It's the smallest verse in this chapter that we're reading. It said, They remembered his words. Tomorrow, or maybe not even tomorrow, maybe this afternoon when you leave your favorite restaurant, minus Sierra's, and you have that first trial slap you in the face. You can stop and remember his words. You can remember his words before the crucifixion. You can remember his words after the crucifixion. And you can remember his words now. Jennifer spoke. She said, I had something God told me. He still speaks to this day. So when you get frustrated, just pause and say, Holy Spirit, let's just remember what you said. So then they returned from the tomb telling the other 11 and all the rest. Jesus' empty grave is an open door. The tomb became a womb to birth brand new life. The tomb became a womb to birth brand new life. I'm so thankful that when I was born again, I did not have to be literally born again. That I could just acknowledge of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that changed me from that moment. I love what Pastor Keith said last week. He said, I experienced eternal life in that moment. You can have that moment. If you've never had that moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a minute. But if you've had that moment, when you get frustrated, just pause and go, you know what? I got eternal life on the way. I, I, I can rejoice in the eternal life that he has given me. So, Jesus' death. And resurrection sets us free from the power of sin. We talked last week about shame and sorrow. He did what we couldn't do to give us what we couldn't earn. To empower us to live a life that we could not live. 
Think about that, guys. He did everything that you can't do to give you everything that he has. That's what he did. So, today, let's look at the next element of our resurrection life. That first point. Jesus calls us out of the grave of shame. Sin brings shame and makes us self-conscious. Righteousness makes us God-conscious. Look, shame is where I'm like, I'm worried about what I'm dealing with. So I'm going to be self-centered. I'm going to be self-focused. I I know that's a little harsh. But when you're God-focused, God-conscious, when that person walks in the door when you're at work tomorrow or when your kids walk in after school and they've had a hard day, you go, wait a minute, what would God, how would God view this moment? How would God see this? Now let's look at our next scripture. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked. Now that's a different series, and Pastor Keith can do that later. Okay, so, but they were both naked and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. This was back at the beginning of creation. I don't know about y'all, but the lies of the enemy, I deal with students, and you should see the shame that they carry every week. Week in and week out. God didn't design us to carry that shame. Look, look. They were both naked and felt no shame. I'm not going to walk out of my house naked because I would just be probably thrown in jail. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see my boys grow up. But not just that. Before I opened that door, I'd be like, this is probably a really bad idea. Like, like, I'm going to bring shame to my family. and You know what I mean? But, like, God created us to be so intentional with him that he didn't want us to feel shame. So Adam and Eve were in right standing with God. Naked and not ashamed. There was a transparency and honesty that allowed them to be in relationship without fear. There was no fear. I I, I know I've referenced our students a lot, but I I hear students tell me this all the time, especially our our, our new students that we get. And they come from, from some all different kind of backgrounds. But I love them where they're at because God loved me where I was at. So like, there's an element, they're like, I, I, I don't know how you worship a God. I, I, he's just, I'm so f- afraid of him. There's like a dictatorship. And that's what the world tells them. But if they would really read the Gospels and see the compassion, see the love, see how he's always pursuing us even when we're not pursuing him, how those break the elements of fear in their lives, and God wants us to experience that too. That shame that you're carrying around, the enemy will use that to eventually birth fear in you. And cause you to go, whoa, well, I don't know. I, I don't know about this. I, I, I can't handle this. Let's just, let's just think about this. So, let's look at the very next verse right after they sinned in the next chapter. So, chapter 3, starting in verse 7. At, their, at, that, at that moment, their eyes were opened. And they were suddenly felt ashamed and naked in their nakedness. So, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Look, what I like about this scripture is that tells me that Adam and Eve, they were in an earshot of our Heavenly Father. But because they got exposed, they ate of the fruit, they felt that shame, they started to hide. And I think a lot of people in today's society, it's easier to hide than it is to acknowledge what Jesus did. 
It's easier for me to just pause and say, you know what? I'm just going to hang out right here. It would be harder to try to work the principles that Jesus has given us. What I love about Jesus is he doesn't, he never like just sugarcoats it. I think it's in the, in the gospel of John. He talks about, well, they hated me, so don't expect them not to hate you. I mean, there's, there's elements, there's principles that we're going to have to really work through. But that shame, that grave, that shame that's got you so tied up, it's not, that's not where you're designed to live here on earth. There's elements of heaven that you can experience right here on earth. You don't have to wait to draw your last breath to meet the Lord Jesus Christ and go, wow, this is what heaven's like. I love what Pastor Keith said. He said, I, walk, I wake up every day. I, it's not that I don't deal with trials. It's not that I don't deal with tests. It's not that, but I love my life. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm not there yet, but I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it. Let's do it. So let's look at that next point. Shame creates a false humility. It causes us to cover ourselves with self-effort. Everybody say self-effort. That's everything that you think that you need to do to make yourself look good. Shame makes you go that route. So self-effort and hid from God. Shame automatically disqualifies us from a genuine relationships with God and people because it causes us to hide behind masks. I love how that says right there in that point, relationships with God and people. See, Proverbs talks about the element of iron sharpens iron. That means I need a brother and sister in Christ that's going to uphold me to a standard to help me. We need one another. When I'm dealing with shame and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do with it, I say, hey, Marty, I need your help. One of my best friends in my whole life. Hey, help me. Show me. And then he's like, well, what did God tell you? And then we start reading the word of God. You need those relationships in your life to help you get out of the grave of shame. So I don't know if people still do this, but I just saw it on movies back in the day. Has anyone ever seen like those? I think they're called like mask parties. You know what I'm talking about? You get real fancy, right? And you wear suits. Now they make them where you can put them on and you look like Batman. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, Batman. No, you know what I mean? Or, or Superman or whatever. My favorite one was Hulk. We can talk about it after service. But like I, I, every time I watched an old school movie, they had to like hold their mask with this little stick. And I don't know about y'all, but when I go to a party, like I went to Ronnie's birthday party yesterday and there was meatballs. I'm two-handing that, cu- that plate, man. I'm going to go just all in. But that mask... And, and the way they used to do it, you had to hold that. So you went and got your food, right? And then, like, I just imagine if it was me, as soon as you put the food on the plate and you hold it up, you're like, well, this ain't going to work. <laughs> or maybe you go get your punch, whatever it may be. I think that's a picture of what we do spiritually. We try to hide behind a mask in our own effort, in our own power, trying to uphold a certain standard to show people that we're okay. We got it all together. But really, we're just actually exhausting ourselves because we're trying to uphold a standard that probably, just to be honest with you, a lot of people on Facebook don't care. Don't care. God didn't intend you to walk around one-handed, basically tied behind your back. He designed you to be all in with both hands. I think that's a great picture. So shame is a weapon of deception used by the enemy to keep us in the darkness of our sin. Shame creates guilt and condemnation. We feel bad or even embarrassed about our sin. Shame causes us to feel unloved, unworthy of a relationship. But it's false humility. We feel guilty and condemnation about our sin, 
But we never repent of our sin. We simply cover our sin, hide from God and people. Shame keeps us from confessing our sins, keeps us bound by them. Mm, that's heavy. I'm going to give you a moment. Think about it. All that shame, all that stuff that keeps you bound up, tied up, frustrated. You're caught. Like, I remember in the youth group that I grew up in several years ago, um, our, our head pastor's wife was there that night. And um, our youth pastor had created basically what he called a speaking team. So there was about six or seven guys that would speak for him quarterly every couple of months or whatever. And I remember he's like, hey, I need to, I need to have a conversation with her. Let's, uh, let's go talk. And I was like, man, he helped with the worship. He helped with speaking. He helped with a bunch of different things. And he said, hey, listen, I just want you to know. Um, and she oversaw our youth ministry and our kids ministry. So she was in and out all the time. And she just loved and she pushed us. And it was great. But he just went up to her and said, hey, I'm done. And I was like, you're done? Well, why are you done? He's like, because I'm a hypocrite. And I'm two-faced. And I've had this addiction for like 10 years. And it's called pornography. And every time I get on stage and help lead young people into the presence of God, or every time I get on stage and I talk about the words that Jesus helped have breakthrough, I feel like a hypocrite and a two-faced. He was so tired of being bound by shame that I finally took a step in what to do. And I think that's a beautiful picture of what we can start doing. So Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. This is exactly what he did. This was an element that he did that absolutely changed his life. He who covers his sin will not prosper. Basically, that's saying that you say what Jesus did is not worthy enough. I'm going to try to cover it my own. Guess what? The Bible says you're not going to prosper. You're not going to prosper financially. You're not going to prosper relationally. You're not going to prosper you know, uh, spiritually. It, it's not going to happen. But I love what the next part says. But who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Any of you guys remember being a kid? 2011, I'm looking at you. That's right. How you doing? I remember I did a lot of dumb things. I'm just going to be honest. A lot of dumb things. Maybe even stupid. We could use that word. I, I had a few stupid moments. But I remember I'd get in trouble, and I always thought that the time I had to pay for the crime was a little out balance, but I was a kid. What did I know? And I remember, I don't know if it was my siblings or maybe me, myself, I saw where finally if you would come up to, I would go up to my parents, or maybe it was my siblings, I don't know. And when you admit what you did wrong, there was an extension of grace and mercy that was received. But if they had to find out the hard way, ooh, the punishment was a little more difficult. Man, I remember my dad, ooh, boy, that was, a, that was a moment that I just never want to go back to. But I think that's a picture of what we do. If it's like, hey, I want to prosper, but quit covering your, trying to quit cover your sins, you're not going to get anywhere. Go to our Heavenly Father that has mercy, that sent His own Son to save us. Go to Him and be like, this is what I'm dealing with. Please help me. And then just listen. The next step is not do something. The next step is not have a 12-step program. The next thing is to just listen. Because I remember when I got in trouble, my dad said, sit down and listen. And that's what I did. So... That is just one principle I feel like if we could take away anything from today, if we work that principle, it's going to absolutely change our lives. So, like the Pharisees, we look good on the outside, but on the inside, we're full of dead things. 
So Proverbs, or Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 and 28. What awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed stones, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones at all sorrow and impurity. Outwardly you look like righteous people, but inwardly your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. I don't want to be filled with the dead things of this world. I, I don't want to be f- so con- consumed with what I'm dealing with that I miss the opportunity to see what God wants me to do in that moment. That's the way the enemy can distract you. Hey, you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You got the helmet of salvation on. You're not going to hell. Good job. But the enemy knows if I can distract you, then he's not going to fulfill or she's not going to fulfill what God's got in front of her or him to do that day. And I just, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be filled with dead things. I don't want that weight, almost like a backpack full of just dead things. You're not going to go all, any, any hunters out here? Any hunters? No. Fishermen? What about? Okay, cool. Thank you, Kevin, for raising your hand. I was about to just like go a different route. You're not going to go get a backpack and put a bunch of fish or, you know, your deer in there and carry it around dead. That's what we're doing. We're walking around like that. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, so spiritually, what, what do you look like? If you were to stop spiritually, look at yourself in the mirror, what do you look like? Do you have just flowing out of you the joy, the happiness, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness of our Heavenly Father? Or do you have a bunch of ugly dead things? Like bitterness. Or I ain't going to talk to them because they talk to me like that. Or, or whatever it may be. Well, what do you look like if you stopped and really looked? So let's look at that next point. Jesus calls us out of the grave of shame. He was stripped naked and exposed to the world so that we, so we might be covered by his blood, saved by his grace, brought back in right relationship with the Father. Every bit of shame, every bit of condemnation, every bit of sorrow that you're like, I don't know. I can't handle this. What, if, what, what would Jesus really do? Can I just go ahead and tell you that right there alone tells us that he already knows. Quit fooling yourself. Quit listening to those little bitty lies of the enemy saying, you can't really tell Jesus those things. Because if you did, he's going to tell your best friend or your pastor or your boss, and you're going to lose your job. And next thing you know, you're getting so much anxiety because of the things you're thinking of because you're listening to the wrong voices. I don't know about you guys, but like when my boys are super upset, and it happens a lot because they're both under two still, I literally, like I saw this a couple weeks ago, I paused, and I'll hold them, and I say, just take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. I'm right here. I've got you. Think about that. God's not on the other side of the room screaming at you. That's what the enemy does. He's standing right beside you saying, hey, just wait a minute. Remember what my son did. Pause and remember his words. Think about that. This shame that you're dealing with, you ain't got to do it by yourself. Those are moments. Like I just, I just, I'm so thankful for God because those moments are what brings you from where you were, like Rob was saying before, to where you are. I don't know about you, but tomorrow I don't want to be the same John Wesley as I am right this moment. I want to be growing consistently. So, Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, just a few scriptures down. And the Lord God made clothe, clothing from the animal's skin for Adam and his wife. 
Me and Sam were talking about this last night. She was, I preached to her like 50 times every time I do this just because I'm just nervous every time I get up here, just to be honest with you guys. And she was like, if you think about that scripture, she did this giant study when she was back in uh, ministry school. That's the first animal sacrifice to cover our sin. God loved you so much, he was willing to create everything he just created to cover your sin for you. He loved you that much. So how much more does it show that he really loves you when he sent Jesus? So I, I like to tell 29-11 like this. Like, I like a good t-shirt. Don't get me wrong. Sam makes t-shirts. Shameless plug. And I like a brand new pair of shoes. Don't get me wrong. These were my kicks I wore at Marty and Natalie's wedding. But they're reminders of how broken our world really is. This is a reminder that God had to cover us. For the shame and every bit of sin that they had done. This is just a reminder. Like, I'm not bashing you. I love Carhartt. I love Nike. I love all the stuff. But sometimes it's just a good reminder in the mornings going, you know what? This is still a broken world. God, let me be so focused on you that I don't miss the, the God moments. It might, be, it, not, it might not be a Sunday morning when the praise and worship team is on here. It might just simply be a smile and a high five to a coworker at work. Or it might be just calming your little kid down when there's a bunch of stress and anxiety going on because guess what? The Legos are not working. <laughs> or the video games are not working. Or guess what? We ran out of pizza rolls. <laughs> Whatever it may be. It's just a great reminder. So Jesus, so I'm sorry, just as God covered the shame of Adam and Eve's nakedness, he sent Jesus to cover our shame, wash us clean. We no longer are victims of our past. We have been covered by God. Look, I want to wants to remind you of your past all the time. And I told, I think it might have even been Kyle David. I had a few guys, we were talking after church on one Wednesday night, and I was like, you guys get so caught up in your past, and the enemy's pointing that way, that what if you started telling him about his future? Whoa, 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 wait. So my past means I messed up, but God redeemed me. Okay, Satan, but your future is that once we go through all the judgment, you're going to be thrown in the lake of fire, and you're going to have no authority. Huh, I'm not going to follow you because in eternity, you don't have authority over me. Huh, you might have authority now here on earth, and I can acknowledge that you have that, but that doesn't mean I have to fall into those lies. So I think if we just stop and pause a few times, we can, we can really see those things. So Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and those sins are covered. Jesus covered all those sins, everything. I put it to uh, myself like this a lot of times. The darkest sin that I think that I can't tell anyone, Jesus already took it. He, he didn't just even take it. We're going to talk about it just in a second. Because Jesus covered our sins, he removed our shame, bearing in himself... The darkest sins of us. He didn't just carry it. He became it. He became what you decided to do. Look, Jesus asked if there was a different way. But by God's will, he still did it. And guess what? He took it. And he owned it. The full magnitude of our rebellion he wore. So, and this is exactly what Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 through 5 says. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow. Equipped with deep grief, deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was 
despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sin. Whoa. The creation that knew no sin became all sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. A couple weeks ago, we did a special service of just believing and praying over people for healings and all kinds of things. And me and Sam were one of the last ones. We were over here. We had Forrest and Lisa Van Zandt, one of our fantastic elders. I don't Google things. I Forrest things. He's that smart. If you don't believe me, come to breakfast next Sunday and he will buy it for you. Um, six o'clock huddle house, anytime. Um, and Sam just nudged me before we even walked in the door. She said, look, I know we don't have cancer. And look, I, don't, I know one of us are not dying. But it's been th- since Thanksgiving that one of us four have been sick. And I was like, you're right. I was like, what do you want to do? She's like, I don't care. Let's just let someone pray over us. I said, Okay. So we went over there and we had them pray over us. And guess what? Two weeks later, ain't no one been sick. Two, 14 full days, there's not been sickness in my, in my house. Now, why do I tell you that? Jobo, or John Wesley, Jobo is what the students call me. There, that, that ain't cancer. That's not crazy. I think a lot of times we look at the little things that God does and we just bypass them. Look, that scripture right there tells us by, by his stripes, he was whipped so we could be healed. He was pierced. He was tortured. He didn't look the same. His own mom couldn't even recognize him. I couldn't imagine that. I have two little boys of my my own. I think that's where we could really get to. To the point where we're like, you know what, Jesus? It doesn't matter if it's the smallest thing or the biggest thing. I'm going to give you praise. For what you did on the cross. You took everything that I deserve. You knew no sin and became sin. So let's look at that next point. Jesus forgave us and freed us from shame, empowering us to walk in the light of life. He don't want you to walk in the darkness. He wants you to walk in the light. Free to be who God has called you to be. Who has God called you to be? When was the last time that you looked at your Heavenly Father and said, What do you want me to do? Who have you called me to be? But yet we get on Facebook and they're like, You don't have this, 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 this. And we walk around defeated. And we walk around with this shame on us because we don't have something that the world says that we have to have. I don't know about you, but my cell phone and this beautiful iPad right here in front of my face ain't going to heaven. There's no apples in heaven that I know of yet. We might find out. I don't know. But think about that, guys. Who has God called you to be? First John chapter seven, verse or first John chapter seven through nine says this. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That means me and you. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. You walk in the light. You are cleansed. You walk with Jesus, you are cleansed. You acknowledge Jesus, you are cleansed. Tomorrow, get up and say, you know what, Jesus? I'm cleansed by your blood. I'm going to walk around because you have appointed me to be your hands and feet. I put it to 2911 like this. You are Jesus with skin on. What are they thinking of Jesus? 
What do they think of Jesus? Be who God's called you to be. Don't be anybody else. Don't, don't, don't try to be Pastor Keith. That's what, that was the biggest thing that I ever had to get over myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm John Wesley. And guess what? My students love Jobo because I'm Jobo. But guess what? I think a lot of us have those elements in our lives that we compare. Quit comparing and just be you. Be who, there, there's enough of them. God created you to be you because the world needs you. He don't need nobody else. He don't want nobody else. He wants you. I'm not telling you that once you acknowledge this, that all your sins goes away and you're not going to have to deal with something. But it means that you can be a lot more genuine because you're just you. So, stepping into the light means that you step out of shame when you step into the light. We step into fellowship with God and others. No longer hiding because of the shame, but fully embracing who God has called us to be. Now again, the enemy uses shame as condemnation, as a weapon against you to keep you in the darkness of your sin. So remember, tomorrow when you get up and be like, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be Jobo. I'm going to be John Wesley to the fullest, but I'm not going to be ignorant that there's a guy that's wanting to slow me down. And I'm going to carry around my sword, and I'm going to put on my suit of armor, and I'm going I'm to just, I'm going to charge hell with a water pistol for you, man, because you saved me. I think that's a beautiful picture. We step into the light and out of the darkness. Jesus don't want you to dwell in the darkness. So, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That's, that's, that's heavy. The truth is not in us. We've got to quit deceiving ourselves. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From every bit of unrighteousness, he is going to cleanse us. Let's look at our last verse. And i got one last thought for you. And then I just want to pray over you guys. So Psalms 34, 5. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their face. Look, Jesus, Jesus is calling us out of the shame, out of the shadows, and into his glorious light. That's what Jesus is doing today. He's calling you out of shame, out of the out of the grave of shame and into his glorious light. I don't know about you, but like they went to where he thought he was back in the gospel of Luke. But there was two guys that said, he's not here, he's not dead, he is risen. So when you walk in the light of Jesus Christ and you walk in the glory that he has for you, you are not dead in your sins no more. You are alive in what he did. You are alive in his blood. You are redeemed, you are appointed, and you are called to be you. Just to be you. So this is what I want to do. If you're comfortable with bowing your head and closing your eyes, that's what I want to ask you to do. And I want you to be just real honest with yourselves. Man, John Wesley, there's a lot of great things that you said. There's a lot of great knowledge there, but like, I don't even know if I've acknowledged Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, and there's not no loops. There's not no crazy things you have to do. You don't have to run outside and go la, 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 and do whatever. You just got to go, you know what? I believe that you were born of a virgin. You lived a sinless life and you died on a cross. And three days later you arose and you're going to come back for your bride one day. So I'm going to pray a prayer and everyone with us is going to pray and in this room. If you're a believer, I just want you to do this. I just want you to start praying for the lost. 
And if you call Liberty Church home, this is what I want to do. This, this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you this week to say, you know what? Whatever little bit of shame I've been pushing to the side that I can't deal with, that I feel like I'm okay with living, ask God how to get rid of it. Because it'll take you to that next level. It'll take you to a place that's going to unlock you because you're going to walk out of the shadows. You're going to walk out of the darkness and you're going to walk into the light and the glory of Him. So Liberty Church, let's just pray this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge your Son. Lord Jesus, please cleanse me. I accept the work that you did on the cross. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Go with me from this day forward. Lord, be with me so I can be with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you did that, would you just raise your hand? There's some ushers that just want to slip something in your hand. We want to help you take the next steps. We are so excited that you joined the family. Liberty Church, can we give them a round of applause? Yeah, amen. Amen. You guys are dismissed, but this week, don't take this lightly. What is that shame that I got to deal with? I want to go to that next level. Do it. Talk to God. He wants to talk back to you. You guys are dismissed. Don't forget, we have movie night the 1st of May for 2911. So if you've got any 6th to 12th graders, please come ask us a question. We'd love to hang out with them and get to meet them. God bless you. You are dismissed.